Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, is the other host of this show. Yeah. Marler. The other host. Hope you are doing well this week. Um, we are in the doldrums. Unless you're a Georgia fan on Twitter, and then uh, and then I kind of don't hope you're doing well. I'll be honest with you. Are you are you back at it with the Georgia fans on Twitter? I, Bro, I haven't seen that. So let's let's just let's just kick off the show by by telling you that one, you ain't gonna say anything. Like I'm surprised you didn't even say you had a guest host because I've lost 20 pounds and I look totally different now. I don't. I look kind of the same. Um. But you look, good. you look good, dude. You look thank good. you. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get back into that 2015, Chris. Super hot, minus the the diet of vodka and bad stuff. I'm just trying to get back into it. <laughs> but no, so so I woke up on Sunday and I tweeted out something because I had a bunch of people text me about JT Daniels and these takes that we've had, and we're we're gonna get into a little of this today. That's why it's it's per, per, uh, um, pertinent. You did so good last episode. I know. I didn't. I didn't mispronounce anything. We barely even fucking cussed last episode. We're right <laughs> back in it now. Now, um, so anyway, I, I somebody threw out the thing about JT Daniels and the numbers he threw. He put up and blah blah blah. And, and I want to just once again say that I've said on this podcast, I think George is going to win the national championship, and I think JT Daniels is going to be the front runner for the Heisman, especially with the way the Heisman's voted on nowadays and the way it sets up. I made this terrible mistake to say publicly on Twitter that um, that I what was it uh, here's here he only played JT Daniels played in four games and the average ranking of the past defense of those four teams was 81st in the country that's how those are just numbers and stats and facts but you knew what you were doing when you posted that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be like, I didn't think it was going to be like that. And people lost their minds and, and it just cracked me up because it was like one of those things where I, I'm, I think that JT Daniels is a phenomenal quarterback. I think he's going to do really well this year. I, I don't think that those numbers last year were even inflated necessarily. I just think when you're looking at the body of work, let's not forget that he beat Mississippi state by seven total points. Okay. Like let's not forget that they barely beat a group of five team. I still think they are going to be phenomenal this season, but it was so funny watching Twitter do what Twitter does. And it became this weird thing where, where, um, where like, like Brian Hoyt, one of my, one of my buddies, I've known since high school, he works for six, eight, a fan. He says like, yo, why don't you compare those to Mac Jones? And I was like, why are we talking about Mac Jones? What is happening here? <laughs> and then, and then one guy who, who will, go like remain nameless mainly because i don't know his fucking name um <laughs> or his podcast he, he he made it a point to text multiple people and say multiple people it, it, about me i don't know who this guy is i have no fucking idea i i can look up his name right now but it's like it's not worth it and it was i i and hate this guy and it was like oh man <laughs> dude i don't what's the line from from uh from what is it? um the show of john ham um madman madman and he's like that's funny i don't think about you at all like I, that's all i need to say i was like I, who the fuck are you oh. and the reason we're bringing any of this up though is because <laughs> we are getting because i want to get some twitter beef off my chest and two we're going to get into some sleeper picks today okay some sleeper picks not the front runners like maybe a jt daniel 
Um, we're going to get into the sleeper picks for the SEC, possibly the country. Uh, we're also going to get into um, the stuff that happened with the NCAA and SCOTUS. And, SCOTUS? Uh, <laughs> barely, barely knew it, bro. What? Is that? No, that's not a thing. Um, but I want to start with the shirt and the hat that you're repping. Oh, it's been a good week. Maybe not necessarily for the Braves, but certainly for one Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. One Big Hawks Kayvon Herter and the Atlanta Hawks. Kayvon. That's the alter ego. You saw that? That was amazing. <laughs> and like, my doing... teammates, when I'm when I'm on, they call me Kayvon. I'm like, I like that. <laughs> the <laughs> memes that came from that and primarily the, the picture of the skinny kid from the movie Road Trip and the big big girl uh and that was incredible like i don't know if there's a better meme i mean there's been some good ones that have come out this this sports year but i don't know if there's a better one than that that was fantastic yeah surprising um i think you know when they came back from 25 26 down to beat the sixers then went home and lost the home game i was like this is just classic this is perfect atlanta perfect atlanta but then you forgot that you're fighting the forces of philly who Yes, they recently won the Super Bowl, and I think the Phillies won the the World Series maybe in the early two thousands, but two thousand nine, I think. So late two thousands, um, <laughs> but I saw before the game. It's been over a decade since a Philly sports team that was in a game seven has won that game in any sport. Really, it's been like I think it was like twelve, twenty years. Like yeah. So I got this. That's a big gap, like, Tyler. Okay, 12, 20 years. Yeah, 12 to 20. <laughs> Maybe 45. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and sure enough, the, the the Hawks pulled it off. And we'll see what happens. You know, you never know. I saw Cam We're Reddish. in it. That's all Cam that matters. Now been upgraded to questionable. I thought he tore his, like, meniscus. No, that was uh, DeAndre Hunter. Oh, okay. We're a big Hawks podcast. You know, it's just yeah. those things. Die hard. I'm wearing my Oregon State Beav shirt. Because you know, usually they're in the College World Series. They're not this week. No, it's it's like we're not going to get too much into the Hawks. But it's like, okay, I thought about this the other day because, like, I just it, sports is so amazing, and I love sports so much. Obviously, we have a podcast talking about it. Um, but I was watching this today because I know that I know that there's a lot of people that are like, I hate the NBA. I can't watch it. It's it's so fucking long, and the NBA playoffs are really long as well. But how do you watch? that series and and one not cheer for the hawks right like i get if you're from philly fine that's that's okay but like how do you not pull for the hawks if you're just like a casual fan and two how do you not get passionate about sports because that was amazing that that entire that entire playoff was amazing the fact that like our playoff series is amazing the fact that trey young was pretty awful in game seven and then all of a sudden just comes out of nowhere for a couple big shots. But, but then Kayvon Herter and Kevin Herter <laughs> just takes over. I mean, it was, yeah. it was just so cool, man. And then, and now of what course- a turnaround. Cause I mean, you know, they had all the acquisitions in the off season and I was like, I was pretty excited about that. I didn't know how good a Bogdanovich was. I was like, damn, that's a pretty big contract. Yeah. Ron like a fucking 14 year old boy. The season starts out and every single guy that they signed was out with injury. Yeah. And then and Capella was out and then Rondo was terrible and you know, they fire the coach. And then all of a sudden I think they have the best, they have a better record than the bucks do since the day that Nate McMillan took over. They've been a better, I think it's the same. No, it was, Oh, actually you're right. You're right. Chris, I am right. It, okay. You're right. Cause it was, it was tied, but now I guess they're ahead because they beat them on Sunday. 
yep. it was tied with the with the Sixers. We're not gonna we won't talk all basketball. I know a lot of you sitting thinking that you know you don't really care, which is fine. We're just very excited because <laughs> we're in Atlanta, and this is something. That never, I mean, the, the fucking Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals, but also here's something else that's weird. And I I don't know if this is like goes into like if I compartmentalize this with not knowing what I'm talking about with basketball, right? Or I put it in the in the in the bin of I don't understand how time works and, and I'm getting older, right? Because like people say stuff all the time. It's like, yeah, man, like I'm 35, right? And and I still feel like I'm like 28, not because I'm in great physical shape, just because of like a maturity thing. And so then they were talking about they're like the, the Atlanta Hawks make their first Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm like preparing myself to hear them say like for since 1987 and they were like since 2015 and i was like what <laughs> where did that fucking happen is that the year we won like 30 games in a row oh yeah yeah that was al horford and that and yeah and that that team was just the most boring team ever yeah like, your star is al horford things things have gone off the rails yeah anyway we've gone off the rails too because we need to get we need to get to some actual so should we go content. for the nat the natural transition or should we start with the supreme court stuff so i think the natural transition is that people <laughs> who hate basketball are going to hate this this next topic and that that is at least just growing off my facebook comments um the payers about to get played or players about to get paid yeah, so it's been uh, certainly an interesting last couple years, I'd say, just with the the conversation about this really over the past year. I think the pandemic stuff really started making this at the forefront. But um, the NCAA was forced to sit in front of the Supreme <laughs> Court uh, and explain why their entire setup and existence makes sense. And yeah, say that again. Say that again, because I, I like... This is huge news, and I'm I'm trying to go about this in like a not a journalistic way, but like in a serious way because it's huge, huge news. But what you just said, it 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 reminds me of Office Space when they were like, "Why don't Why don't you tell me what it is you do on a day to day basis?" <laughs> so what's funny is I actually wrote down another movie that it reminded me of. Okay, it was uh, so Mark Emmert is Eric from Billy Madison. When they're at the academic decathlon and Billy's like business ethics. And he's business like, well, ethics. the thing about ethics is, uh, and then he just pulls out a gun. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to use that for a, for a meme. That's really good. That's yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah. The thing about ethics is. <laughs> it's a so, bullshit question. Yeah. Um, but anyways, to reiterate, the NCAA had to sit in front of the Supreme court and explain basically why they felt it was necessary to cap um how much a player could make on things like being a paid intern or right. after they were in school have some sort of apprenticeship or anything like that and uh the supreme court ruled unanimously this past monday that okay. the ncaa went too far in blocking some of these educated uh education related aid for student athletes now real quick want to interject here by saying this this is this is the perfect example and what what blew my mind about this was when they when they brought it up because like you're looking at it like on a surface level it's like yeah they should be paid but it's the same thing we've said for years now which is it's not fucking easy like like this is not an easy thing to carry out this is it's like you know listen yeah I, not, not to get political here but like obamacare you know looking at at having health care for all seems like a great idea right 
Yeah. How do you implementing that is a very difficult task to do. And I listen again, I cannot, I cannot stress this enough. This is not to be political. It's just, it's just an example I'm giving because I think we'd all agree. It'd be great if we all had healthcare, but the way to go about that has been very difficult to, to where somebody's getting short of the stick. I, I, that's, right. that's all I'm saying. So, and I, anyway, that's all I'm saying. So, <laughs> so, um, but like this whole thing, when they talk about like, like should play, players be paid service level? Absolutely. Right. Like that's, that's easy decision. I think we should, they deserve money. They're making this much money uh, off of them. Sure. But then how do you carry that out? I love the fact that this is about like already what they're being paid for, right? Like it's already like, hold on, you put a cap on how much they can make. And the reason why I interject in the first place is this like hits so close to home for me. Cause I remember when I, I paid my entire way through school, right? One of the ways I had to do it was working. And I remember like, I would bartend, I would, I would like, you know, serve at restaurants in the summer and it would be very difficult because it was like, you know, after the NCAA came in, I think it was like 2006, 2007, they implemented this rule where you weren't allowed to serve tables and have that kind of job as a student athlete, because they were worried that, that, you know, you'd have boosters come in and leave a thousand dollar tip. Now keep in mind, like the place where this first came out about was the quarterback at South Florida. I forgot his name, but he was like a kid that was bartending in his spare time. And they're like, no, no, because what if a booster comes in, which at the time it's like, nobody's coming to fucking South Florida and like slipping this dude, like thousands of dollars. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and nobody was coming into Millersville, Georgia to give me like hundreds of dollars, like under the table. So I had to, I had to work in the baseball office for five thirty-five an hour. And that was, cause that's what minimum wage was because the instant like capped it. So I had to literally send out, recruiting letters and mail off recruiting letters for other kids to come in that could potentially replace me which i thought was the most ironic thing ever and then that's what i got paid 535 an hour for it was it was ridiculous so here's something that's interesting about this whole unanimous decision it's not too often that a supreme court ruling is unanimous right Um, (laughs) usually if you're fighting a battle like this you try to figure it out before it gets to the highest level to avoid public embarrassment. Right. But the NCAA, no, they decided, hey, we want to appeal this. <laughs> and so the the court said that the NCAA violated antitrust laws when it tried to limit the amount students could receive for post-grad scholarships, tutoring, jobs like you're talking about, internships. So right now, as it stands, if one school wanted to give paid internships and pay more than another, like Tennessee wanted to pay more than Kentucky, they couldn't do that because the NCAA wants to control this and right. cap everyone. And here's the thing about America, Chris, is you, it's can't, be good. you can't price fix labor in a normal business setting. Right. It's, a, it's against antitrust laws, and it takes away a free market where people can make fair compensation for their work. And the NCAA is basically trying to tell the Supreme Court of the United States that they are above those laws. Right. And do you see where the problem is? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you what, the problem for me would have been like, listen, as soon as as soon as they came out with this, as soon as they came out with this, and they're like, all right, listen, Supreme Court has ruled in either fucking way they viewed it, it was it was unanimous. What? Right. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Think about like, like when I first heard Brett Kavanaugh, his name, I haven't heard his name since all yeah, the other shit yeah. that came up a couple years right. ago. And so I was like, man, there's nothing we hear in the Supreme Court that is unanimous. 
how bad do you have to fuck up as a yeah. whole organization to have the Supreme Court of this country in this political climate nowadays be like, you know what? We, we talked about it, all of us, and we're like, that's kind of fucked up, guys. <laughs> that is, that's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and to be clear, the, the what was being ruled on was not whether the athletes should be compensated for playing sports yet. Right. But, and it was around a, t- a topic that was very narrow surrounding additional educational money or how much you could make at a job. But the wording and some of the stuff that Kavanaugh and Justice um, uh, Neil Gorsuch. RBG. Yep. Said was uh, not Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No. Um, basically sets up for massive issues for the NCAA. Yeah. Moving forward. And that's kind of why it made such a big to do is, you know, I'll, I'll quote Justice Brett Kavanaugh here. He said, the NCAA and its member colleges are suppressing the pay of student athletes who collectively generate billions of dollars of revenues for colleges every year. Right. Those enormous sums of money flow to seemingly everyone except for student athletes. He goes on to say, you know, uh, the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. Right. So and the fact that he opened by saying the NCAA is not above the law. Yeah. That for me was like Jesus, man. Like, like you're like, what what cracks me up? Excuse me, I've, I had a kill cliff tonight, which I tried something new. It's really not going. It's not going down the hatch very well. Anyway, what what cracks me up about this whole situation is, I like I know it's going to open the door for the worst argument, it, like maybe in all college football, like all college sports, which is, should they be paid or not? Like flat, yes or no? And which and then, just I'm not, I'm not trying to say this in a negative way necessarily but actually i mean i kind of am because i hate this response but it opens the door to the dumbest response out there which is they already get a scholarship they already get a free education what bothers me about that is that's fine that's true they get a free education sure i can tyler and i both it mainly me could probably tell you how how like not worthless but how less valuable a college degree is in every single year, it depreciates. It's almost worse than a, a new car. Like it's like every single year since we've graduated, it seems like it's gotten worse and worse. So the people that are in that camp that of, of like, well, they get a free education. It's it reminds me of the same people that are like, I hate to just you know stereotype this whole group, but it's like be careful. Yeah, but it's like the boomers that are also like, dude, save some money, buy a house, and do this. Like, sir, yeah. like this not we don't have the same kind of economy that we did years ago. <laughs> And the stuff with the stuff with like having like, you know, about the college education, again, it's depreciating in value every single year. But when you look at the actual amount of money these kids are making the NCAA, I, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, when we, or I guess a couple months ago now, when we talked about the uh, about March Madness, $918 million in three weeks is what the total revenue was for the NCAA when they put on the, the men's basketball tournament, $918 million in three fucking weeks. Like, think about that. Yeah. So I, I totally understand that they get it for education and you're right. And, and, and I know that not all of all the kids that go to school there, you know, just like to, to say that, that that camp isn't completely in the wrong. I'm sure not everyone going there is, is concerned with their academics and maybe some of them are just there for sports. Sure. That's fine. But to have these blanket statements of like, well, they get a free education, that ought to be enough, is 
is fucking ludicrous in this day and age because because the fact that like the amount of money they're bringing in i, I tell you what i at this there was one point that got brought up about this years ago that changed my entire view on how this is handled and it, it it'll shock you personally and and i think that like if 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 you if people like their listeners that have known me long enough when they hear me say who who said it like or who it was about like it should show you how much how egregious this whole situation is sports illustrated a story on this on cam newton in 2010 and i remember reading it and i hated cam newton at an unhealthy level then right not like now and i barely hate him so <laughs> so but like they did this story where they said cam newton looked up in the stands and he started counting right in like the in, in jordan hair how many people were wearing his jersey and and the guy who's doing the story said he said he like saw a still shot and he started counting and in this one section like section g right just say it's that which is like you know 50 50 rows high and 30 seats across he counted like 75 cam newton jerseys right that are being sold for about 75 dollars a piece and how much money did cam newton get off that basically nothing 200 and something thousand 180,000 <laughs> so so but like but i only say that because do i think cam newton got paid absolutely do i do i think that it was at the time something's ridiculous they should have gotten on probation yeah because they won a national championship of course i do like but when you really look at like the the exploitation of these athletes at at, at some of these levels and, and again i know this is like the obamacare thing it's gonna be hard to figure this out like it's gonna be hard to figure out like how are you gonna pay you know a certain amount of money to a fucking field hockey player i don't know i don't know but like if you're making 918 billion dollars in three weeks you better figure the fuck out it's the last effort i'll say this this entire episode so the NCAA just who continues to amaze everyone every step of the way that they 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 take these days tried to actually argue that people what like watching college football because the players aren't paid I, I don't think that's that far off base but the Supreme Court was Dabo. like uh prove that <laughs> do you have any statistics that show that that's true like we're this is a court of law I show you SDS's Facebook comment section right here. Have I told this have is I, Randall? <laughs> have I told you? Um, I'm Mark Emmert here. Okay. That uh, statistically speaking, college football is the best. Right. Uh, yeah. Do you have any statistical actual proof that that's? Yeah. Just no. go down south for a couple weekends. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's just First like off, I don't like the way you're saying that. But I, I mean, like how skinny you look either. But uh, just just think about it. It's not just what the, the player is doing for the school. Think about how much a player like Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson brings to a small, tiny-ass town like Clemson, South Carolina. Right. Or think about how much Johnny Manziel brought to this college in the middle of nowhere in College Station, Texas. Right. This guy provided not only revenue for the school but for businesses restaurants all over the town yeah um so i think we all can see why you know ad nauseum this is spoken about but anyways this supreme no, court it, thing it, it's thought to pave the way for a new case to be opened surrounding compensation within the next couple years yeah um it seems like things are falling in the favor of the athlete finally, but let's hold our breath. Actually, let's not, because we'll see. 
here's and here's the thing Here, here's what what is frustrating about this too is that like it took the it took the fucking united states supreme court to change the mindset of the ncaa like that's an issue like that that's an yeah. issue guys like this should not have had to go to the supreme we'll like listen you guys know me i'm liberal as shit and we've got a we've got a thousand things to worry about in this country on both sides we don't need this going to the supreme court right like we we don't need they got we have enough shit to worry about right like we have so many more things that are more important the fact that the NCAA is sitting here saying like you know what like let's let's you know what let's let's chance it let's go to let's go to the supreme court see what they say and even the even the US supreme court was like no no even we're not that corrupt that's 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 way too much and so the fact that you have now what worries me is like the supreme court has ruled in favor of this but who is going to implement this because this is like what we were talking about a while ago with the NIL laws which is they've known about this since 2018 right like they like the first one of those bills passed in California for 2018 it's not going to go into place i think until 2026 or 20 excuse me 2024 something like that but like they've known about this and all the NCAA has done is drag their feet so what concerns me is if this is the governing body and this is what they've been this is what they've called themselves is a govern governing body that is volunteer right nonprofit all of these nice words that you like to hear when, when you hear about something, it's like, we're not making money off this. Bullshit, you're not. So now this governing body has to do just that. They have to govern over the like the student body and like or you know, and like the rest of the people they're in charge of. And I'm worried that we're we're gonna leave these idiots in in like who are incapable of doing the right thing in charge of doing the right thing. And I don't know how it's gonna go. Should be interesting to watch. Maybe we'll bring on a legal expert. <laughs> Do you have a legal expert? No. My dad was a paralegal, but he won't talk to me. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, by the way. Um, <laughs> so Day, uh, let's transition over. Uh, we know that as the season gets ever closer, and we are we were counting it up today, somewhere around 11 weeks away from yeah. the opening weekend. Um, we'll start doing some previews and things like that. And eventually, we'll start talking and making predictions about who will be in the playoff. Well, I'll be but- honest. Go ahead. I'm going to imagine that Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Oklahoma will be somewhat in in, yeah. in some order the teams that we pick, right? Um, it seems to be that that is kind of where the trend has been going over the last few years is you, you were about like two five years ago when or I six Michigan years. and Texas. <laughs> Um, but we wanted to discuss maybe some sleeper sleeper options, yeah. maybe some teams that look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Boise state's going to go to the playoff, but no, some teams that legitimately could have a chance if things break their way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like, let's definitely talk about that. And like, and just so everyone knows, let's, let's tell them the plan real quick. We're going to have a, a preview episode for every single team. So we're going to be doing some double duty here after media days. Where we're going In to the NCAA, actually... there's going to be 127 episodes. <laughs> 130. Let's get into New Mexico State. Um, no, so we'll have one for every every single SEC team, though. I mean, we might double up with Vandy. I don't know. But regardless, it should be fun. So sleeper teams. So you did college football, right? I did in college football. You focused on the SEC. Yeah. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. All right, I'll go uh, from probably least confident to most confident. Okay. <laughs> the sleeper pick. So uh, we, we each did three. My number three is USC. I know. Ooh. I get it. I get it. 
USC. They blow it every single year since Leinert. But they fit the mold of what you kind of look for in a good college football team. They've got a, a good to very good QB. And yeah. Keaton Slovis led the Pac-12 in every major passing category last year, even though they only played six games. He was really good the year before that as well. Um, USC won again. They played five regular season games. Mm-hmm. And then they played a Pac-12 championship. They won all five of those and then lost by a single score to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. They were very – yeah, and they, they won a few of those games very – They had to late. come back uh, in three fourth quarters. But – In five games. <laughs> yeah, but they still did. Yeah. Keontae Ingram, pretty good back from Texas, transferred in. They've got Drake London, who is a monster receiver who played basketball at USC too, dropped basketball to focus on football. Right. They returned four starters on the O-line. Their defense, pretty good. Headlined maybe, maybe not at the beginning of the year, but mid-year by the number one prospect from last year's class, Corey Foreman on the D-line. On the um, they got a really good corner. You may remember his name, Chris Steele, if you're a Florida fan. He actually oh, yeah. went to Florida and then transferred before ever playing there. Um, oh, he's yeah, from he was like there. a five-star, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and Clay Helton's on the hot seat. He has to win this year or he's done at USC. Right. So I like I if you're asking me who I like the best in the Pac-12, it's probably Oregon. But we're talking sleepers here. Yeah, they're they're outside of two games at Notre Dame and at Arizona State, who I think could be. Well, we'll see what happens. I had them as a sleeper for me, to be honest, on a couple episodes ago. We'll see what happens with all this. We should have we should have talked about Arizona State and all the shit that they did recruiting wise. But we'll, maybe we can do. Who cares? Let them let them cheat out there. It'll be better for the. Well, they're talking about possibly losing their entire staff. Right, and so they're also doing this because of like, was it like the 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 most egregious penalty? It was like they had kids on during COVID. Yeah, and they were like taking them to games and hiding them in suites. So they right, <laughs> which I can tell you firsthand, they didn't fuck around with that COVID stuff when I was out there. It was like we had masks and like and everything. We were walking around campus. They're like, "You need help getting back to your car or not?" Like, uh, no. <laughs> But, you know, they got at Notre Dame and at Arizona State are two worrisome games on the schedule, but they don't, they, you know, they, they don't play Oregon unless it's in the Pac-12 championship. So I think, you know, you've got the old, older, I mean, Keaton Slovis, this will be his third year starting there. He's a pretty good QB. They've got a good, de- they should have a pretty good defense. Um, and Clay Helton, he's going to be playing every game like it's his last because it may yeah. be. So they could be a sleeper to make it to the college football. Plus, look, wouldn't, wouldn't TV love, USC, the LA market being on oh, yeah. multiple playoffs. So you know what's funny that, too when you bring that up is you remember that that um I mean like listen, they were awesome when they were when they were really good, those early 2003, 2005 teams. But like the the video or like the 30 for 30 they had on that, the Trojan War. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember like the one sleazy USC fan? It's <laughs> like it's like, yeah, dude, we just have better parties out here. But like, shut up, bro. You're like 58 and you still do cocaine. Like, that's what you're talking about right now. <laughs> I, I I just I can't wait for them to be good so we can see that kind of uh that kind of that kind of fan pop back up. And here. I wanna I, what I love okay, one of my favorite feelings about Saturday, and it's been a fleeting feeling for me, probably a great feeling for you. But if you if your team wins a big 330 game and you're all fired up yeah. and or, or maybe they win like a like an, a 7 o'clock game. Yeah. And you're all fired up after the game. And then you can do Pac-12 after dark and watch. But it's never a good game. It's like Cal versus Oregon State. Sorry. Shut your 
in mouth first off it would be awesome to see like a top five usc playing yeah. oregon like on a 10 o'clock on a saturday night that'd be awesome. well just to let you know they would they would somehow fuck that up because fox would put that on at like four o'clock and think they'd go up against yeah like like for real they would they would put that on at four and think that it was going to go up against like the sec thing but i, I totally yeah. feel you on the, like the seven o'clock thing like or like, there's just there, there really is nothing better than a just like from 12 o'clock to 2 a.m just nothing but good football on i just yeah. i, I love and, and i and i tell you what part of it is playing in like a cathedral like the coliseum because yeah. some of these times you get like these pac-12 things this is one of the reasons i think that people don't really like the pac-12 as much is um because i mean the pac-12 is really competitive in a lot of sports right oh yeah. but but like you don't want to see Corvallis. I definitely don't want to see Utah. I, I don't want to see a game at Utah. It just doesn't do anything for me. But like going to a game at Arizona State or Arizona or USC or something like that, like you know, that has like some Washington. Yeah, like especially Washington. Yeah. You know, like that I do miss that. I, I miss that a lot. So um Yeah, and I mean I just that that feeling this and I'm not even joking here. Does it even like feel good when Alabama wins on Saturday anymore? Yeah, what? Like, do you get that, like, really good, like... I don't enjoy it as much as I used to, I'll admit. Uh, like, <laughs> exactly I don't... It's, it's like, um, you know, I think I said this to somebody a while ago, and I think it was, like, a bad example, but it's like, you know, like, the 2009 season, it was like when I saw Titanic in theaters when I was 13. You, then you see a boob more than once, and you're like, okay, whatever, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of like that. Yeah, well, I just, like... It, and i used to feel that way too like the, the winds weren't even that uh, boobs or winds but uh but now it's like you know you you come off like a, a hotly contested saturday night win and you're yeah. like all the stress that you felt during the game is relieved sitting there drinking a beer or a bourbon and then boom an awesome pack 12 game comes on see it's great and I, I will say this too like the, the bama thing on that like so bama beat georgia last year and that was like it took me a minute to really enjoy it but and see, part of it is it, it's going to depend on when you and I are recording. But there are reasons why I didn't like you know Saturdays weren't that enjoyable for me last year, right? Or or Sunday mornings like weren't that enjoyable for me. So it's like it, I think that like having more of like a fun attitude about this instead of just like having to watch all these games, yeah. I think that goes into it too. That's all. I'm okay. Say. But um, all right, all right you my turn. Go with yours. Yeah. You ready for this? I am. Auburn. Okay, Sleeper. I'm going from least confident to most. Confident. Okay. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm going, right. now I still look at the schedule and I think they're going five and seven, right? <laughs> but here's the deal: if there's any team that can be a sleeper and run off however many wins in a row and get to a, a national championship in a year they shouldn't, it's Auburn. Everyone knows God's an Auburn fan. So Bo Nix coming back, uh, they are depleted at the receiver uh, position. They should have a decent amount of defenders coming back or defensive players and starters coming back. I think that one thing I did not give them enough credit for here, Derek Mason at DC is going to cause problems for people. He's going to be, he's a very good defensive coordinator. This is the first time he's really had athletes around him in a number of years. So I'm going to say Auburn. That's really all I have to say about it. Yeah, figured you didn't want to get into that too too much. Um, number two national team that could be a sleeper this year is Wisconsin. Ooh. Um, so let's start with the fact that everyone knows is that they're in the easy division of the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, cro- one of their cross-division games is Penn State, but it's the first game of the year. It's at home. 
if they can win that they do draw notre dame in chicago which is a pretty cool game early in the season is it, where's it at wrigley uh soldier field that's cool that makes more sense and then but their road games are at illinois at purdue at rutgers and at minnesota which could be tough that's a rivalry game but they had a bunch of juniors and seniors decide to come back and take that extra COVID year. Yeah. They had a t- top 10 defense last year. Um, yeah. Jim Leonard's no joke, man. He's, a dude, he's awesome. He, he almost became the D coordinator of the Packers in the off season. Yeah. Um, they allowed opponents to score points on just 22% of their possessions, which was third in the FBS. And they only allowed this, this stat was awesome. Somehow it wasn't number one. They allowed only 7% of rushing attempts to go for over 10 yards. So think about that. Wow. Out of all the rushing attempts you you face, especially in the Big Ten, only 7% of them went for 10 yards or more. Yeah. Third in the, third in the FBS. They're all about running the ball. They have this new kid. He's a redshirt freshman, Jalen Berger. Graham Mertz is going to be the key here. He's looked really good to start the season last year, and then he looked really bad at the end. Right. Um, one of the least explosive offenses in the FBS last year. <laughs> yeah, they were not fun to watch. My question is, does that matter in the Big Ten? No, not at all. And I think also, like, this is an offense that really – we're not used to them being explosive. I think yeah. that was it wasn't Mertz the guy last year that came out in game one. Just keep yeah. in mind, Wisconsin was up until like halfway through November, Wisconsin was still projected as a top four team according to the FPI, which is horseshit. But like at the same time, it was one of those things where it's like Mertz came out and like I, I remember his probably PFF or some stupid ridiculous publication like that, but there was like Graham Mertz may be the best quarterback in the country. Look at these numbers. And he was like 14 of 15 for 280 yards and four touchdowns against like South Florida or something. It was like something terrible, yeah. but, but he, he had like a really good like start to the season. So I don't mind that. Like, I think that in the same way that we always talk about, we always, always, always talk about the SEC West. And then we talk about the, um, like whoever comes out of that. And like, you know, we don't talk about it as much now because we, I think we know Ohio state's the best one. But Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan are all in, in the Big Ten East, right? So, like, whoever comes out of that division is usually going to be the one that gets to the playoffs. Same with the SEC West. But when you really look at it, like, whoever comes out of the SEC East has a much easier path, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, to go exactly. undefeated because they don't have to go through this gauntlet of scheduling like you do in, in the SEC West. Same to be, can be said about the Big Ten West. I, like, you know, I, I know that I shit on the Big Ten all the time, but I think – it's kind of deservingly so, especially when you look at some of these these um, these teams they have to go up against. Now, the biggest thing for Wisconsin is can they can they go into a season and go through it unscathed? Because it seems like maybe them more than anybody, there's always one game that jumps up and gets them. Always. That's true. It is, but I think it sets up for them. You know, there's the only you know you you have a neutral game. Your true road games are very easy this year. Yeah. Um, Penn State at home to start the year, my prediction could be off the table in game one. Yeah. But we're talking sleepers here, so this yeah. is this is one uh, my second. Okay, number two for me, Ole Miss. Now, here's why. Ole Miss, the schedule sets up really well. I'm not even going to get into the defense. I, I know that they already have a decent amount of, of people they, they're losing, right? I don't know how you're going to replace Eli Moore or Yaboa at tight end. But you have Jerry and Ely, who's like on the hot, like the short list of a lot of people, like for all American, not only is like a running back, but also like all around like special teams. Um, the kid's a playmaker, no matter what, whenever you put him like returning kicks, returning punts, uh, receiver, put him in the slot. Also a running back, like we said, 
You also have John Royce Plumley who's going to be playing slot receiver this year, which I think that'll be interesting. And the the amount of creativity you're going to be able to get from Lane Kiffin with him added to on-field sets and and setup or uh, what do you call it schemes. Matt Corral is a very very good quarterback, and he's coming back for his like 18th year, and he is going to I, like 30 touchdowns, 14 interceptions last year. 12 of those were in two games, which doesn't make it better. But I feel like he cut down on some of that. We could see a really special season out of out of him. And I think there's one thing we always see with a Lane Kiffin offense is that I remember hearing the story when he he came in to help Bama after they lost the kick six game, right? So they're going in to play Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, a game they lost. But they're they come in, they have him as like an analyst, okay? And he walks in and he watches tape with Coach Saban and the offensive guys, Nussmeyer and all those guys. And they, they sit down with him. He's like, all right, what's your takeaway from this? And he goes up to the whiteboard and he draws five numbers. And it was like Derrick Henry, DeAndre White, Amari Cooper, somebody and somebody. And just circled him. And he's like, these are your best players. Get them the ball. Like more than anyone else. Like you don't right. have to share the ball with everyone. Get them the ball more than anyone else. So you saw it in 2014 with Amari Cooper. Hell, you saw it with his tight end two years ago at, at Florida Atlantic. And you see it with Eli Moore. I think that he's going to have the ability to get somebody like Jerry Neely in space, a guy like Matt Corral, some big time numbers. Looking at their schedule, they go Louisville, Austin P, Tulane, back to back to back. I don't think they have trouble with any of those teams. They have a week off for Bama, then Arkansas and Tennessee. Then they get LSU at home. You're talking about going in that LSU game. They should be five and one. I'm not even also... kidding here, though. Watch out for that Tulane team. They seem to be very good over the last few years. Okay. I'm going to. You, you just remember I said that. <laughs> All right. That's sure. I mean, they have been, but yeah. Um, they also have an incredible game. I can't wait for this. They get Liberty at home. So I oh, don't. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know who fucking scheduled that, but that guy Ole needs to find a new job, right? Yes. That's in fantastic. Oxford. That's in o- <laughs> it's the best game of the year, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that is, again, like, I don't know who planned that, but that guy needs to start looking for a new job. Now, yeah. I will say that Kiffin kind of blew his load a little bit early here. Excuse my language, I guess. Um, he did he did take his, his bye week before the Bama game. So 12-game schedule, he gets his bye week the fourth game of the season. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I still think it's a team that's going to do really, really well in year two. Um, and there you go. I like that. I like that pick. Um, Jaron Ely is going to be an absolute monster. This he year. is a monster. Um, yeah. My number one sleeper, uh, some, there are people that have been hyping this team a bit. Um, a couple outlets, I think, have them as a top 10 team. But if you want to talk about legitimate contenders for a New Year's Six Bowl or even the playoff, I don't think UNC comes up enough. Oh, um, okay. Again, I, I go back to what I said about USC. I think in order to be a playoff team, you have to have – an awesome D line and an awesome QB. Yeah. They checked the boxes on both of those. Sam Howell is legit. He led the ACC in touchdown passes last year and efficiency, 30 touchdowns, seven picks. Yeah. They returned 21 of 22 players that played in that orange bowl against A&M. Granted, they lost that game pretty handily, but, um, you know, a lot of their best players sat out in that game and those guys are the ones that are gone now. So right. Brown, they replaced like 48 touchdowns, something like that. Yeah. Now they've recruited really well. Yeah, especially at the skill spots uh, and they have a much deeper team than they have in the past because now right. you're starting to get into the third and fourth recruiting classes for Mac Brown, um, Tennessee running back 
former Tennessee running back, uh, Ty Chandler slides in the yeah. running back. Um, they still really, have Bo really good in space. Yeah. Uh, Diami Brown's brother, Caffrey Brown, uh, steps in to fill his shoes at receiver. They return their entire O-line. Their top six O-linemen have a combined 112 career starts. Mm-hmm. And Phil Longo's offense is awesome. Okay, um, that's what I'm glad you brought up is Phil Longo because that's the key to the whole thing. Yeah, they were third in the country in offensive explosiveness. 30 per- 30% of their snaps gained 10 or more yards. Think about that. Right. That's so stupid. if you ran 10 plays, three of them would go for over 10 yards. That's the most in the country. Um, they were fifth in finishing drive. So on almost 44% of their possessions, they found the end zone. That's stupid. Um, their defense should improve. Last year, they only had 11 takeovers or turnovers, which was last in the ACC. So I, that's kind of a luck thing. You would think that would improve. Um, and again, they've recruited really well in the D-line. Mac yeah. Brown has been saying that he is very excited about that group. They probably have the best DB trio in the conference. And again, this is the ACC. It's a manageable schedule. They missed regular season against Clemson. So it's the, on the opposite side. Right. Their biggest game, again, season opener at Virginia Tech. That's not an easy place to play. Virginia Tech sucks now. It's not. An they easy had a kid place murder somebody. Well, that I mean, it is a sketchy. I mean, they they had Marcus and Michael Vick. It's a sketchy area. Okay, I don't know. Our, they didn't. Well, they. They have a home game against Miami. Keep in mind, last year they beat Miami sixty-two to twenty-six at Miami. Right. So you win those two games. I think you're looking at winning the division yep. and and playing Clemson and. Look, I know they got DJ Ugalele, but Ugalungalele. Ugalungalele. Yeah. Like I was going to get that right. <laughs> um, we probably will by the end of the season, but you're still replacing Trevor Lawrence, who is one of the best quarterbacks to come through college football. Yeah. And I get he was the number one quarterback in a five star. I don't see how he lives up to what Lawrence was. And I mean, he looked great in that Notre Dame game last year, but. We still don't know exactly what he's going to be for a full season. And if he gets hurt, I know their backup quarterback this offseason tore his Achilles. Right. So uh, we'll see with, with, with Clemson. You know, I, I think UNC could beat them. They almost beat them a couple years ago. So UNC is going to be my, my number one sleeper from the I like that a lot. Thanks. I like that. And you brought up so many facts. That's like, that's really good. Love facts. Um, I'm a <laughs> big fact guy. <laughs> uh, unless it involves Georgia Twitter. Okay. So. Um, okay, here is mine, and this is gonna shock some people, but I'm gonna do this, and it's not just for my boy Mickey Sheremy, who's also celebrating a fantastic Father's Day, uh, and some of my other good friends on there in the bayou as well. But I'm going LSU, and I'm going LSU because of this. I think they have recruited way too well to ever have a season like they had last year, right? Did they go five and five? Yeah, I think okay. that was five and five. Yep. Very, very um nobly. Uh, decided to bow out of postseason contention because of potential, um, you know, incidents with the NCAA and or FBI. And I'm joking when I say that uh, it was a very noble decision. But I think that, listen, here's the thing. You have so much talent there, especially on defense. We, we Derek Singley got run all over last year a lot of times. And don't get mad when I say that because people are going to get upset about it. I don't know why, but he did. He did not look good a lot of times. And a lot of it's because of Bo Pelini. But – you also have Eli Ricks. We get to see that kid come to the forefront as a, as a freshman. Now he's going to be a sophomore. You have one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the country. You have the best cover combo between, um, what do you call it? Our cover corner combo in the country. 
You have Mike Jones, who coming in at linebacker from Clemson. Mike Jones, Jones. Former high four-star, maybe five-star. Um, but the thing I keep coming back to is this. I, I love Kayvon Butte. I, I still think Slim Reaper. Don't what get a mad name, at fans. too. Kayvon Butte? Yeah. That Butte. Um, so Kayvon Butte and, and then having um, – Miles Brennan at quarterback. I think I think somebody asked us a couple weeks ago. They said if you are picking out a Mac Jones, who is the guy that can go from like zero to hundred in in one season? Who would it be? And put up those kind of numbers, have that kind of season. And I said it would be Miles Brennan. And the reason why is because of this: you have kids got a little bit of swagger to him. Kids tough as hell. Something we don't know that a lot of people don't know is that he was playing very injured. He had something torn in his stomach area. It's not the legal or, or medical term for it, but he had. Yeah, so, so all his shit was messed up, man. He had some big old tour down here, okay? Um, and so that was a big problem. And then you talk about he has all of the all of his receivers coming back with Kayvon Butte. Um, they still have five stars like John Emery uh, Jr. at running back. But they return all five starters on offensive line and all four stars on the defensive line. And I know they were god-awful on those, on those fronts last year. But they're all seniors. They're upperclassmen. And they return all of them. And I just got to think that that – that turns in and amounts into something this year. So that's what I've got. I've got LSU as my number one sleeper in the SEC. Let's get into like a perfect transition uh, for our last segment here, which is a former LSU player, Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot Ben Simmons with LSU. Yeah, so um, tying back into the Hawks game, uh, the other night, game seven, and the immediate reaction after the game, which was Max Contract, former number one pick, Ben Simmons in the last four games of the seven game series, max contract number one pick Ben Simmons did not attempt a field goal in the fourth quarter. And any of them, he didn't take a single shot in the playoffs from outside the paint. (laughs) Think about that. And you know, his teammates were not quick to get his back. Uh, In fact, they went the other way. Uh, Doc Rivers, when asked if he was uh, capable of being the starting point guard of a playoff t- winning team, he said, I don't know the answer to that, which seems like a not great answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like things are falling apart for Ben Simmons there in Philly. Um, I do I mean, the laugh fact that he was right under the basket in, in game seven for a flush, just like absolute flush dunk. And he gave it up. <laughs> he passed it. it was unbelievable. So um, it got us thinking, what programs, coaches, players remind us of Ben Simmons, a former number one pick or a former uh, person or team or coach who was really being hyped up and just didn't seem to really live up to the billing. Again, you took the SEC here. I took more of a national. I'll go first. I just put in some sunflower season. I shouldn't have. All right, I'm gonna. I didn't know we were doing programs. If we we're doing programs, I would have obviously said Notre Dame or Oklahoma. Um, but what I will say is this: every Florida quarterback from Tim Tebow to Will Greer. Yes. Okay. So. What you didn't like Brantley? Okay, so uh, that's the that's the main one. That's the main one because, and, and this might be a deep cut for some of you, but but here's the deal, and I feel like now. Urban Meyer has said this about enough people to where it's like, all right, we know he's like not telling the truth, but Urban Meyer said that John Brantley is the best quarterback he has ever recruited coming out of high school. He said that after he he recruited Tim Tebow. Yeah. He was a five-star. So I'm going to say John Brantley, he was awful. 
um for for most but, of his time there but he was he he was the one directly after tebow right yes the man had no chance no but he didn't even finish starting at the end like like remember yeah, they oh, had yeah. at one That's point driscoll had... i think was driscoll the one or was it brissette see it doesn't even fucking matter <laughs> like, like... that was good but he transferred so it doesn't yeah count. they all did so yeah. i remember trey trey uh trey burton oh yeah was uh tight end of the uh tight end of the of the, the of bears the, yeah bears eagles yeah so so brantley earned media attention during the 2009 season after uh tim tebow suffered a concussion against kentucky it was speculated that brantley would make the first start of his gator career in baton rouge but Tebow was cleared to play the day of the game. <laughs> so um, in his spring game, he was 15 of 19 for 201 yards and two touchdowns. He was the starting quarterback in the 2011 season, but he injured his ankle October 1st against Alabama and missed the following two games. That's all it says for his entire career. So it's, I mean, after a trip to Austin to see university of Texas, Brantley committed to the Longhorns. I mean, he was a five-star. His shortlist included Bama, Louisville, Oklahoma, and Florida. He decommitted in December of 2006 to go to the University of Florida. It's just crazy. Like he was, he was there with Cam Newton and Tim Tebow, and and he he was still being heralded and praised as he is the best high school quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I don't believe that, but I don't either. Um, all right, I'll go with uh, your favorite coach, Jim Harbaugh. That's fair. Uh, came in, Michigan man. He was fairly good at Stanford. Got him an NFL job. He was fairly good. good. He was really he was good at Stanford. Good. Very yeah. good at Stanford. Went to the NFL. Very good there. Took the Niners to the Super Bowl. Came in. Perfect <laughs> fit. Michigan man. And he's been largely a disappointment after a, a decent start there. 22 yeah. losses in six years. Uh, you're you're uh, an alumni. And your fellow alumni don't want you as coach anymore. Um, somehow got an extension over the offseason, which went largely untalked for about. less money, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. is interesting. Um, basically, that's the, the the school saying, "Look, we don't want you as a coach, but because of COVID, we don't really want to be messing around with buyouts. So right. you will take this, or we'll figure it out." Um, but yeah, just another classic example of a guy who was really overhyped came in and has been a, pretty much a dud. Yeah, it's it's weird too because like. You know, I talk about this a lot where you have, um, like, you got to strike where the iron's hot in a lot of cases, like for a job. I thought, I forgot who I was talking about this with the other day, but um, remember when Bo Scarborough in like the 2016 cultural playoff, he had that huge run against Washington um, late in the game where he broke a bunch yeah, of tackles. And, right, and yeah. you know, and then he goes up against Clemson and he ends up breaking his leg, but he had like two touchdowns over 100 and something yards. Like, I mean, he was just a monster, right? Mm-hmm. And by all means, that's when he should have gone pro because he was coming back as, as a projected first round pick for some reason and never did. Right. I, I don't, I, I can't imagine there's too many people that are kicking themselves more outside of Jim Harbaugh, who was like, why did you, why did you leave Stanford in the first place? And then you go to, you go to San Francisco and then you're like, why did you leave San Francisco? You think about this from a weather standpoint alone, why the fuck would you leave San Francisco to go to Michigan. Doesn't make a lot of sense. No. But I mean, it's, you know, alma mater. I get it. But yeah, you get to wear that stupid. Not working out. out. Not working yeah, out for Harbaugh. Not at all. Um, by the way, this Mississippi State baseball coach looks like a fat Steve Sarkeesian. Um, number two for me. Number two. And this is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Okay. 
Leonard Fournette. Now, hear me out here, all right, as I bring up his stats. So Leonard Fournette, the reason I bring this up is Leonard Fournette was also a guy that went to LSU. Um, he was a guy that was highly touted coming out of high school, coming out of college, all that kind of stuff. Um, he had a season much like Ben Simmons. Because what, what we forget about, like, if you are just a casual fan, Ben Simmons was the runner-up for defensive player of the year. Ben Simmons was an all-star. Like, Ben, ben Simmons was, like, all-defensive team. I, I th- he, he had some accolades coming his way this year, right? Like, <laughs> he only got runner-up to the defensive player of the year to Rudy Gobert, who was, like, the consensus, uh, you know, defensive player of the year. He had a very good regular season. He, he actually did really – I think he scored 40 in one game when Joel Embiid was out this year. He did it against Rudy Gobert. How? I had no idea. But you look at Leonard Fournette, and I'm talking about the 2015 season in particular. He finished the year with 1,953 yards, 22 touchdowns. Um, just an incredible year. An incredible year. However, he also – like, if you remember that year, he came in – living up to all the potential, right? He came in where he he, he had over a 1,000 yards rushing in his first four games. It was just fucking stupid, right? That is he, ridiculous. It was absurd. He was, the, he was the, like, the unanimous favorite to win the Heisman going into the month of November. He was averaging 191.3 or 91.7 yards per game. Uh, I mean, the kid was just going off. It was just, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. But then he went into Tuscaloosa, and he played against an Alabama defense with their backs against the wall. They had to win out. And it was the best defensive line I've seen in a very long time. And they held him to 19 carries for 31 yards. So I feel like that alone is what kind of makes it stand out. Because, dude, the, the dude still had 1,900. And, like, I'm doing the math in my head right now. 1,922 yards in the other 10 games. That is absurd. Stupid. Yeah. So there you go. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with this actually is an SEC player, former number one overall recruit in the country. Chris, you may not even heard of him. I doubt it. Never made an impact. Trenton Thompson. Trenton Thompson, the D tackle for Georgia. Trent Thompson, number 78. Yeah, I know who Trent Thompson is. He, as a junior in high school, had 38 tackles for loss and 12 sacks. (laughs) He helped his school win their first ever region title. That Troop County. He was named junior of the year by rivals.com. His senior year, he followed that up with 36 tackles for loss, was the national defensive player of the year, Georgia defensive player of the year, went to UGA, and I don't think you ever heard his name again. He had a middling career. He left early only to get undrafted in the 2018 NFL draft, was picked up on waivers or as a free agent by I think like the Browns and was waived before the season even started, and he never went back to the NFL. He was the very first, the very first former number one overall recruit in the country to go undrafted. Crazy. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even have that. I will never forget his name because I, like, I knew he was like a, a big, you know, big recruit and all that kind of stuff. But I remember going into the 2015 Bama game uh, in Athens. And it was the, the infamous game where Bama was the underdog. And I went with one of my good buddies, Philip Joyner um who had tickets and and we got to go there and i remember him telling me the night before he sent me a text and he was like tomorrow's the day 
that the world no, the world knows Trent Thompson. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, and he was like, tomorrow's the day or tomorrow the world will get to know Mr. Trent Thompson. And I was like, all right, it did not happen. Um, all right. And I'm going to go to number one here and it, it should be number one on your list too. If it's not, I don't know what to tell you. Jeremy Johnson. No, nothing. Nothing. No, you don't know who that is. I'm sure once you explain it, I'll remember. This is but... beautiful. So there was a span from 2014 to 2015 where Bama and Auburn both had these like this like up and down. Oh, the Jeremy Johnson, the Auburn quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's funny because in 2014, Jake Coker went from Florida State to Bama. Yep. And they expect like everyone expected him to beat out Blake Sims. And I remember um, oh, what's his fucking name? It's the guy that he broke a bunch of news last year that was like really bad. Um Kind of, kind of talks like this and he's an old white guy he's a he's a comfortable reporter he works for like stadium now brett oh McMurphy. brett mcmurphy god yeah Not so brett mcmurphy he he said flat out on college football live he was like my preseason pick to win the heisman jared coker and jared it was coker <laughs> it was it was in 2014 he didn't even win the starting job that year anyway so so jeremy johnson becomes a quarterback at auburn he's 6'5 230 he's he's you know built to be like cam jr he's gonna be this he's the best quarterback they're gonna have in this system um and we quickly found out he was not like like we could we quickly found out that he was not going to be um the guy in a gus on offense because he couldn't run and we didn't realize how how much of that entire offense is predicated on like being able to have a mobile quarterback and it was hilarious i remember i'll never forget this the first game of the year, he's playing Louisville. And it was in the in the night before, like the Thursday before. So like like Allie, um, not my fiance, Allie, who's the one from the old CBS crew? LaForce. Allie LaForce comes in to Houston's with her mom. And her mom's like sitting there and she's like talking to me about football, this and that. She's like, Yeah, I'm meeting my daughter. My daughter should be here soon, blah, blah, blah. You know, like she covers football. I'm like, oh, cool, that's awesome. I have a blog. <laughs> or something stupid like that <laughs> and so we're talking non-stop and then she's like yeah this is my daughter and i was like oh my god that's fucking ally laforce from cbs and i was like huge fan let me take care of these crab cakes y'all um <laughs> so just like the nicest the nicest family super nice and she's like yeah you know you're a little bit worried about jeremy johnson if you're a bama fan and i was like no should be fine <laughs> i gotta think we're gonna be good and then we go to the game or we watch the game and he throws three picks in the first half, I think, to, to Louisville. And it was the Bob Petrino-led Louisville Cardinals oh again. I know. Um, so, but he, he, you know, I remember him coming in. He was he was built up to be, like, maybe a first-round draft pick, a preseason Heisman favorite. Everyone was on board. And I, and I honestly, I, I kind of was, like, a little bit worried until I started watching, like, some of like the spring and fall practices. But, I mean, like, it looked like he was going to be the guy. Uh, for instance – Marshall was suspended for the first half of the 2014 season opener. Uh, Johnson served in his place. He went 12 of 16 for 243 yards and two touchdowns in the first half alone. Just the guy that fell off the map. It just was not very good. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's my Clearly, I had forgotten him. <laughs> yeah. Um, for my last pick, uh, and before we wrap up, the Miami Hurricanes. Um <laughs> I look back to an article that was written in uh, June of 2003 uh, where Miami and Virginia Tech opted to join the ACC. 
bringing the ACC two of the nation's strongest football programs. This is this is a quote from the yeah 2003 article. Miami was brought in to be the face of the ACC along Florida State. They were already rivals. Florida State at that time needed someone to compete with them um, in the conference. They needed a big name. Miami was coming. We talked about this last episode. Miami was coming off of a 2000, 2001, 2002 run where they were the most dominant program in the sport at that time. They have never won the ACC since they joined in 2004. And they've only been to one title game, and they got blown the fuck out by Clemson. It wasn't even a game. What was it? Lacked. When was it? Was it like fifty-six to seven or something weird? <laughs> yeah, I think they only scored like a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like giving Ben Simmons a max contract, and then Ridiculous he gives sense. you what he's giving you. That's kind of what Miami was for the ACC. They've just There's... never done anything since the day they joined the conference. There's probably some better examples on this too. So let's hear, I want to hear from the audience what, what they think too, because we just thought of this like an hour before we recorded. Um, but yeah, so if you guys have better examples, let us know. I like that Miami one. That's good. I, I thought it was going to be strictly just like rooted in, in fandom, but that was good. It's slightly worse. <laughs> um, anyways, before we leave, I've got to direct you to the, so you know how the, the, the MLB is testing the rosin or whatever they, the the umpires have checked Max Scherzer, I think three or four times in this game. And he literally threw his hat down, threw his glove down and started taking off his pants. The fourth time they came out to the mound, you shut up. (laughs) He's furious. And the number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco just got called up today, hit a three run bomb for who for Tampa Bay. Oh, he hit three run bomb for Tampa Bay. I guess the Red Sox. We were up five, two. What the, All right. Uh, So anyways, that's going to be it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the college football uncensored podcast. We can't wait for the fall. Yeah. We don't want to be comparing Ben Simmons to to teams anymore. We don't want to be talking about, but we will. We want to talk about (laughs) real content. So go share this podcast with your friends, five stars on Apple podcasts and go comment on all of our shit. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't care if you comment about how, we put together a <laughs> my favorite thing on the Instagram was when we both picked a 2017. I wanted to drop in the comments and be like, honestly, you guys are really telling on yourselves that you don't actually listen to the podcast because yeah. you know that this was two separate people giving their thoughts. People got like, so upset. So people got so upset. So like, upset. It was hilarious. I, I totally forgot about that because we did the episode, which I thought like, <coughs> excuse me. I thought it was like a really good idea. Like, oh man, let's get into like a little bit of history. And cause like, I, I love looking it up. It was the most fun I've had recording an episode maybe this year and yeah. all of them are fun with you for real. But yeah. like, it was the most fun I've had recording like a podcast, like where we had to historically debate something in a very, very long time. And so going to look at that, I was like, oh, this is awesome. People are going to love this. Cause it's like, you can talk about this and that, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Did you see how many comments there were? That's all that matters, brother. That's all that matters. Which is, right. I hate saying that, but like, if you looked at the, because I, I I saw it as soon as we posted, I was like, I feel like this is not going to go well. And <laughs> and it was funny too, because I posted one of them on, on the A&M Facebook page and it was like, hey, these guys said that A&M would have won. What do you guys think? And people were like, sadly, I believe in, in like being logical and I saw it happen in real time and firsthand they didn't win. So no. And I was like, okay, sorry, Aggie. 84, my bad. <laughs>
Anyway. All right. Well, we'll leave you guys on that note. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.